welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> We're on. We're on. <laughs> How's it going, brother? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Glad to be here again. Round two. Round two. Round two of Live with Greg or Live with Greg. Live with Greg. I can't live with Greg. Or... Exactly. <laughs> How the hell do you live with Greg? How do you live with Greg, right? <laughs> it's difficult. I don't know. I've had a good time with you. Thank you. It's been, what, good 40 plus years now? About It's coming up to 40. 40 plus, right? We were 16. I'll be 49 next month. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been... 59. 59. 59 next month, yeah. Yeah. So we're coming up on 60 and 60. So what is that? Like <laughs> so math's not your best. So it's over 40 years. Uh, yeah. 44, yeah. 40. Damn. Over 40 years we've known each other. I still wonder how we ended up on that island in Golden Gate Park. Golden Gate Park. I know how we ended up on that island. It was a bottle of tequila. Yeah, but there wasn't a bridge. <laughs> there wasn't a bridge. There wasn't a bridge. There was a bridge. There remember? must have been. There was a bridge. Remember I pulled a post out of the ground. I don't remember that. And we slid in between the post. There was, there was paint on the post. And, but that was prior to that. We were at a, it started out with a party. I remember in Hayward. And it was like, girls, 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 beer, beer, beer. And then somebody got stabbed. They had a stabbing. Oh, and we had parked in their front yard. And we were all fucked up. Maybe we stole some beer, alcohol, or something from them. So that's the beginning of the night. I remember. I don't anything, remember anything before that. But I know... We were going to a party. It was dead. We ended up in the city. Almost hit two cars. I don't remember that. Yeah, we went down a wrong, a wrong way street a couple times on Broadway. <laughs> Almost hit a Corvette once and some other nice. aimless fool. And then somehow we ended up at Golden Gate Park. And, to uh, see the buffalo. To see the buffalo, right? I don't remember seeing buffalo. I remember waking up to the sun peering at me through the windshield. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And uh, I looked down and there was a bottle of tequila with dirt in it. Our shoes are dirty. I don't know if we were chasing buffalo. <laughs> There's dirt in the bottle. <laughs> and we were on Snow Island. Yeah. In Golden Gate Park. In your car. In my, no, in Rose's car. It wasn't even my car. It was my girlfriend's car. We weren't even in my car. Damn, I don't... Yeah, it was a red Capri, uh, a Mercury Capri. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, it was Rose Rose Otto's car. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. And she was mad because we were out all night. She thought I was with other women, and it was like, no, it's just with Greg. And uh, trying to explain the story to her, of course, unbelievable as most of our adventures are. <laughs> <laughs> the truth doesn't work. So yeah, that was one of those. Yeah, and it was an end of a relationship night, but that was. Uh, Foggy. There's a point. I don't remember how we started. I don't know. I do remember parts of the middle. I don't remember towards the end. I don't even remember how we got home. I remember driving around Snow Island and we find this access road and finding the bridge. Because <laughs> we're, we're literally on an island, dirty, with drunk on tequila, and you're just like, oh, the passenger seat. And I find where we got in. And I look at the pool. I see the pole laying on the ground. I'm like, that, that's busted about how we got in. It's on the way off the island. Yeah. I squeak through it. <laughs> the, the post again. And then next thing I remember, we're up on Columbia Way, up in the Highlands. A little go-to spot up there. And... Uh, Try to shake off the tequila, try to talk, try to remember what the fuck happened that evening, and uh, we were both very foggy, and uh, still to this day, don't know what we did on Stoy. <laughs> I remember seeing Buffalo. Right. <laughs> I do remember right. seeing That was the whole goal. We're going to go right. see Buffalo. Right. Uh, we went to San Francisco to see Buffalo, and I didn't believe you, and we found Buffalo, so you, thank you for showing me Buffalo, even though I don't remember it. <laughs> We, sure we, we got on the island. <laughs> yeah, that was that. That was good. That was good. You've had a few adventures, so, yeah. I was thinking about one this morning, actually. It was the, uh, this, this is the, the Pasadena Suzuki theft. <laughs> Remember, somehow, we were, I don't know what happened. We were at your buddy John's house in Pasadena somewhere, and we decided we were going to burglarize the motorcycle shop there. And we got fuel and oil and everything, and we kept the back fence open. We peeled the fence here to look out. We get in there, and we opened the crates, and the motorcycles were disassembled. 
that I kind of remember. Across from the Denny's. Remember, that was yeah. the Denny's trip where I wouldn't pull over because I didn't want to eat at Denny's because I was like, so you know, race, that's why we're here. Right? There was something happened with uh, some black kids at Denny's, and I was like, I'm not eating at fucking Denny's, they're racist. And we drove around for hours and hours and ended up at the Pasadena Denny's right across from the Suzuki motorcycle dealership. And then we went to your buddy, the buddy's house, and we're sitting there, and then one day we all got, after being there for two or three days, on various drugs, we decided we were going to rob the motorcycle place. And we got in, got everything was set, got the cameras disabled, crates open, and your buddy's about to fill up these bikes. We rip open the crates, and they're all in pieces. And so no, it's all in pieces. So somebody grabs a wheel, someone grabs a <laughs> someone grabs an exhaust pipe, and we bolt out of there, and we go back to the house. And so our only evidence of our burglary was... Uh, pieces of a motorcycle that we never got to steal. I don't know what we were going to do with it, but we were bored, and that's what we did. And well, then it was foolish. It was foolish. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the way home from that trip, the car died, I think. I remember that. And, we, hitch- and we hitchhiked, and got yeah. a ride, and we rode in the back of a boat. And we, I don't Harvey. remember, in the back of the <laughs> boat. Here's a guy pulling a boat, and we got in the back of the boat, and we woke up in Castro Valley. I remember we just left the car there. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't your car. It wasn't my car either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't load us in your car. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty trustworthy of the cars, you know. Um, it was kind of, I fixed that car that night, and Miles owed me money, so he lost his car because he owed me money. And uh, I've been totally responsible for people's cars. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, loan me a car, I'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Rose get her sides painted? Yeah, I fixed the whole car. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. I'm really good at that. Cool. So, yeah. I may take you on a wild adventure, but any damages I'm responsible for, I will take care of. It's good. So, you know, folks. <laughs> yeah, none of this is going in. <laughs> My kids are in it. It's not going in, he says. Yeah, gotta put it in. And that's where we start. My son loves those stories. Jordan, he is enthralled by them. And I think it scared him to a point where he would rather hear our horror stories than experience them in a first person. That's good. Because That's wise. He, yeah, it is wise. He's a very, yeah. uh, very old soul, my son. He, he loves, tell me a story about your Uncle Greg, or tell me a story about Uncle Bob. And, you know, it's just the, the ACDC concerts, the, you know, wherever we were, both up in Tab Hill. There's a lifetime of stories. Yeah. So he enjoys those wild stories of mine because, at first, I survived them without any repercussions or, or injury or loss of uh, life or material or even reputation so it's all good no jail time no no jail time it's good yeah, yeah that's part of it we'll, we'll discuss that later when we get to the race thing <laughs> really <laughs> no no really because that was alright yeah because yeah, yeah, that's that's, uh, part so, of, that's part of it so, alright so race was big deal last year yes huge seems to have died off in Amongst my peers. Yeah, race. I wasn't really down with the Black Lives Movement, and still I'm not. The whole race thing. I think it's a political ploy, so separatism, and I think they're going about it the entire wrong way. That's not what I was taught as a kid about race. It was about unity and love and equality in the sense of how I treat you and how you treat me. Not in how much I have or how much you have. You can be in disparity of income and even education and still be kind and civil to each other. It has nothing to do with race. <laughs> okay. Okay, but I just saw in the news about a week ago, I think, a black couple in Marin City put, bought a home, mm-hmm. put a lot of money into it. I saw it. that. I saw that. Okay. I did see that. And they had a white woman pose as them and they right. got 500000 more. more. Right. Okay. Now, that is a problem. And it's financial. It's financial. And it's race. It is race. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not LM. But that is a problem only because people have an image of black people, and black people have an image of themselves. Okay? It's not a one-sided racist fence. As a black human, I see racism from all sides. 
and uh, from blacks, from whites or non-blacks, you know, because of who I am, where I grew up, how I was educated, how I speak, how I act, how I dress, all those play factors on how people are affected by you. And so um, I have noticed that in this economical disparity amongst minorities, particularly black people, it's how they present themselves. But I don't think this black couple presenting themselves in a way that warranted five hundred thousand. I don't believe that either. That's okay. an isolated case. Okay. I do believe that they were racially targeted, and I also believe that because it was Marin City, you know, which is predominantly black, that had a lot to do with it. So yeah, Marin a, a City, lot to do with it. Black, black in Marin City. They're not going to give you the value because it's they don't. They didn't know that they just bought it or fixed it up. They just did it, you know. There's a whole lot of things. Like in parts of Oakland, you can uh, a black couple can go to parts of Oakland and try to buy a house, and it's going to be more. Or a white couple is going to go and it's going to be less because they figure they're going to fix it up. So there is a disparity of racism when it comes to what is this black person going to do with their home? Yeah, they got to fix it up, take care of the yard, take care of the home itself, do the right thing with it, and uh, throughout history. Not a majority of blacks, but there have been a handful that have gone in neighborhoods and destroyed them. You know, and it's not just blacks; it could be any right. culture, yeah, yeah any, any, any people, any, people, any right. person. It's that typical type of person. So that is a problem. You know, I think that black people need to be recognized as economic powers, and and they have businesses, and they have myself contractors and work on five or six ten million dollar homes every day and we are based on our reputation and not on our color you know so yeah but then you have to stand up for yourself I think what they did was wise by doing that tricky but wise it proved a point you know is that going to help other black people in the future no it won't it won't no, it won't. So what? If, like, if, uh, for me, I have a hope that people will hear this story and it'll help enlighten them to the racism that exists. Yeah, because in that particular racism, at that point in time, that was an individual racist act. For that amount of money, that person wanted that house. I'm sure that agent. I was Eris's mom was one of those agents that would get in there and jew down the price so that we could buy because I was I profited from scams like that to get someone's house for cheap I have family members that have done that get that house for cheap so I can get in there do what I gotta do and sell it for more so that could have been just a buy of somebody trying to get over on an ignorant person maybe because they thought they were black they could get over on them you know so you think there's other factors besides race sure it's a hustle this is a dog eat dog world if I can get something for you for cheap I'm going to do it if you fall for the okie doke I'm going to take advantage that's business that's that's the ruthlessness of business so do you think that's good that's we live in a, a capitalistic society that's right. you know beware buyer beware <laughs> you know right. the value is only what someone's willing to pay for it you know and if you're willing to let it go for less of value that's your choice you know, and that's not race, that's ignorance. You know, and they were not ignorant. They said, no, our house is worth more. How many times has that happened to not just black people, but white people, Hispanic people, where they had something and someone offered them something and they took less for it? You know, that happens all the time that we're not aware of. In that particular case, it might not have been total racism. It might have been someone trying to take advantage of somebody okay. who they felt, because they were black, didn't know the market or didn't know the value of their home. Okay, that's just targeting. You know, like someone, that's just like how criminals target victims on the street. Or the guy with the three-card molly trick of the city, you know. Right. They, you play the game, you know, you know it's, a, it's, a, it's a hustle. Everyone knows it's a hustle. But every day he takes $20 from somebody who thinks they can win. Why is that happening? <clears throat> Why people go to these gambling joints and casinos? They all know it's the house is going to win, but they're lined up for that hope of getting paid. Easy money. Easy money. So greed has a lot to do with it. Okay. All right. Okay. Have you ever experienced, for me, like a white ignorant thing where you're just like, you don't even know, Wilkes. You just, you just 
said that in my fucking admin. That had to do with race, because I know I've said that to many <laughs> About race, though. <laughs> well, thank you. No, really. About race, you have said some things that have been highly intellectual, highly uh, uh, potent, and, and highly admirable for, for someone who's not of, of color. You have never, I've never felt that you said anything out of ignorance, unless it was a question. To me, questions are ignorant. They want us, they're not assumptions. Right. So you've never said anything assumptive to me. It's always been, hey, you know, what do you think? Or what about this, like you are right now? You're not assuming that it's racist. You are questioning, is it? You know, at that particular point, only the person that was trying to buy the house for cheap, the person that was backing that play knows if it was a racist play or not. Yeah. Obviously, it was a racist play because a white person came in there and they got a higher price. Right. They did get a different... Um, a different realtor, too. Yeah, a different assessor. So, so Right, so that's point two different be, things. Right, okay, right. So you know, the experiment only works if it's the same person involved. Right. And since we can't do that, then we don't know. But that assessor was probably racist, yes. And you probably had a play in trying to get that house for cheap yeah. because he had a developer or a buyer on the other end that he could make some money off of and profit. So you have to look at the full circle of the spectrum. Not everything is race-driven. I think that's a problem we're having in society. Everybody wants to put race on the front board. And is it? Or is it greed? Or is it politics? Is it fame? There's a whole lot of factors that play into why people treated other people badly. It may not be because you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian. You know, it could be because you have something that I want. So how do we deal with a historical practice that is racist? Mm -hmm. And well, let me ask you this. Do you have hope that the United States of America can one day truly be like the Statue of Liberty says? Not with the people that are in power now, no. Not even with this new administration, especially not with the last one. (laughs) (laughs) That seems to be even greater. Hope will come from the recognition that, like I said, it's not about racial equality, it's about human equality. It's not about Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or Green or Yellow or Red, it's about my life matters. You know, I matter. You know, no matter what I am, male, female, no, no matter my gender, my economic status, my educational uh, background, any of those things shouldn't matter. How am I treating you and how are you treating me? When that is on the table first and foremost, that's when there's going to be hope. As long as we're still trying to catch up economically or catch up with education or catch up with technology or catch up with... It's all, as long as we're playing catch up, there's no hope. Because it's not about catching up. It's about recognition of you as an individual. Do you think your son has an extra burden as a mixed-race gentleman that my son doesn't have? Extra burden. Um, yeah, because I had the extra burden as a mixed-race. That's why I brought this here today, because I had not recognized until my son I got cancer, and his mother, actually a couple years before that, we did a genealogy test, and... Uh, Mine came up 68% sub-Saharan Africa and 30.7% European. So I'm 30% white. Didn't know that. We thought we were Native American this whole time. And actually, there's a list that goes down here. East Asian, Native American, South Asian, Oceanic, and then only 0.4% unassigned. So I basically, my genealogy lights up the entire globe. This is, yeah. you'll probably won't see that. But I'm everything but Russia, Ukraine, Iceland, and Greenland. I'm not from there, but everywhere else on the planet I have genetic ties to. So back to the question of a multicultural child in growing up. Um, I had a hard time because I was discriminated against by both blacks and whites that didn't know me. You know, the people in my neighborhood that knew me, people in my community that knew me, there was no problem. Oh, that's Tony, smart guy, musician, also blah, 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 that's this guy, he's good. Uh, outside of my community, the whites that didn't know me, until they knew me, there was a problem, and then there wasn't. I noticed that there was always a problem, and then there wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though with Sonia's parents, there was a problem, 
and then there wasn't. So as I showed economic prowess, ability to make money, ability to protect you know, her, their daughter and take care of their daughter, there was a problem. And then there wasn't. And to this day, there's not. But I made them a lot of money. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, blacks looked at me as the, the, the black kid that lived up in the highlands, had a car, spoke proper, was in all the advanced classes. And so, yes, I was bougie, uppity, you know, Oreo. They had all kind of derogative terms for someone like me. Um, not knowing that I didn't, at the time, not knowing that I was thirty percent white, but I acted white on the in, on the inside and looked black on the outside. So there was a disparity among black kids when they came to me. I wasn't as black as they were, so there was a problem with me. More so with them than the white kids. The white kids accepted me. I knew all the rock songs, and I had a nice house with the pool, the pinball table, the pinball pool. The pool they'd be partying at my house. We had the full bar. And, yeah, so it's just cool where you go to his house and party anytime, so there was no problem because I had something that they wanted and needed and, and enjoyed. The black kids looked at me like I was being bougie or above them, and so they never wanted to come by the house and engage in the pool parties or the, or the keg parties or the swim parties or anything that we did up there. They didn't want to come to the Highlands and, and, and hang out with me. Did you invite them? Sure. And then, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had a conversation with Jordan about being careful with cops? Um, about being careful about his race. He was little. Yeah. I used to take the 40 bus from... Uh, um, he grew up in Rockridge, Oakland, which is Piedmont, Montclair, upper, upper class Oakland Hills. And we would take the bus ride all the way down East 14th, <laughs> to, all the way to the Hayward you know, bar station so you can see women of leisure and, and pimps and drug addicts and on the side of the road. And he would question me about these people and who was good and who's bad. And I was like, well, those aren't the bad people. Those are the victims. The guy with the fancy car, that's the bad guy. You know, so he was able to. I was able to help him identify good and bad is not by economic status. It's about how you got your money. That's what made you bad. He's taking advantage of them. They're just they don't have a choice. So they do, but at this point they don't see their choice. So they're depending upon this guy with the big rims and the tires, and, and that's walking around collecting money from everybody. That's the bad guy. But then he's only bad because he hasn't recognized that he can do better. All right. So what's the jail? Conversation. Oh, the joke conversation. I don't know. As a, as a black man, been involved with, oh, oh, I'd say close to 50 arrests, no convictions, no beatdowns, no nothing. I've had a lot of experience with the police. And uh, it's only because of the way I handle myself when it comes down to time to being arrested. You know, I know my rights. I don't have to say anything to you. You have my identification. Prove your case. I'll see you in court. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to fight with you or ask you what you want or what you're doing. You're just, you're just ruddled. Why are you going out? Okay. Here's the ID. Do what you got to do. <laughs> so in your experience, That's my experience. The trouble can be avoided. It can be avoided. Let them do their job. You have nothing to say. You don't have to respond. So even if you can tell, like, this fucking racist you can be, white I, I, I've had them be racist to me. I've had them tell me, just give us three names. Just give us a name. And I'm like, Scooby-Doo, Mickey Mouse, and, uh, your mom. I don't know. What do you want me to say? You know? I, I just, uh, it's just like, uh, with me, they have a badge and a gun. Okay? So first things first, I'm not going to win. They have the radio, the badge, and the gun. I do know that there's a judicial system that works if you play it, if you if you know how to use it. But that's only because I grew up with Judge Farewell, Judge Edgar, you know, and people that were attorneys and stuff. I saw how the system works. So maybe that's probably why I'm more relaxed around law enforcement, because I know how the system works. You have to prove your case. I'm not going to tell on myself. I'm not going to tell on you. I could be dead wrong. And then so, a few times I've been dead to rights. But you have to prove it. And if you don't say anything, then there's no evidence. You know, I'm not going to tell myself. I'm not going to say I did that. Okay, when I hear the story of the guy that was parked at Denny's spending the night because he was drunk and he didn't want to drive, mm-hmm. and um, he got shot. Sure. And my understanding is he got shot. 
And like you know, and then I see interviews with Muhammad Ali Mm -hmm. and Dave Chappelle and all these black gentlemen I respect, and they're like, yeah, white people, you know, they're killing black people. They are killing black people. Yeah, they are. There's a fear amongst that law enforcement that black people are violent, and black people are argumentative, and black people are abusive, verbally and physically to each other and to the law enforcement. And so, yeah, that is a, a, a stigma that has to be corrected. But that would definitely be corrected by the community itself. That people have to start treating themselves better. You know, if I'm treating myself with respect, you're treating, I'm treating you with respect, then I will be treated respectfully, hopefully. And if I'm not, that's not going to change the way I'm, I am. You can call me the N-word, you can call me boy. I've been called everything in the book, but it hasn't changed my demeanor or the way I look at life. You know, you want to put a gun to my head? I've got guns pointed at me. I'm still sitting here. It's like, is that the is that the resolution that we've come to at this point? Because I keep a logical mind, and I'm not saying that everybody can. But in my in my personal experience, because I've kept a logical mind with race, that is racism or race, because I know I'm this type of person. I've been able thus far to not get beat up, not get shot, not get thrown in jail unwarrantedly, beat every charge that's been placed against me because I had the ability to make a phone call, keep my mouth shut, get the lawyer, even public defenders, talk to that person, speak to them in a, in a manner that's convincing to them to where they want to take my case and defend me properly and, and, and win, you know, even though I've been dead wrong. So it seems like in talking with you that the solution to racism is, like we were saying earlier, the mind. It's how I live. How I live. I don't live racist. Exactly. Just don't live. And if you do something racist, oh, I'm just, my bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to, for that to sound like that. Excuse me, or, and, and then get educated. Listen to that person and find out why that's a racist comment or action that you just did. Learn from that and apply it. You know. I've had people in in the most whitest of areas. What's the nigga doing in here? Ready to get beat up by three big white guys, and then the night we're doing shots and having a good fucking time because I handled myself accordingly. I know you don't know me, so if I act out in a manner that you're expecting to act out, then you're going to have every right to do what you're going to do. But if I don't act out like that person, don't act like the typical black person that you're thinking, you know, I don't know what that is because I'm acting as myself. So maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about that because I wasn't raised black in a sense of blackness. I wasn't raised disparaged. You know, we had a brand new Mercedes. We were exper- we experienced that. We were the night we were in my my mom's Mercedes, brand new Mercedes, and we were after a wedding party reception. We were driving around Hayward, and somehow I hit the alarm button, and we got pulled over by a cop. And the cop was like, oh, I thought you guys were a couple doctors on the way to emergency. We're like 16 or 17 years old. So here is a black 16-year-old kid in a brand-new Mercedes, 1879 or whatever year it was, and they let us go because we lived in the Highlands. Where do you guys live? Oh, we live above Castle Hayward in the Highlands. Oh, go home. Now, if I said I lived in South Hayward, that probably would have been a whole different story. Where are the car? Whose car is this? You know, where did you, you guys get the car? But because of where, because of our zip code... And our address, and how we, I spoke to the officer, even at 16, we were allowed, drunk, behind the wheel, underage, in a brand new Mercedes, to drive home in 1979. You were there. I don't remember. Yeah, you were at the passenger seat going, what just happened? <laughs> and I was like, we, got, we got hit the alarm, and the alarm was going off as we were driving down the road, and the cop actually thought we were doctors on our way to emergency, that we turned away from the hospital. Uh... And that's when he pulled us over. I was like, well, I'm just trying to go home. I live up the hill. It's my mom's car. Next time, then, we were coming from a wedding reception. We were just taking the car for a ride. He was like, oh, you guys been drinking tonight? I was like, oh, yeah. Some champagne at the wedding, of course. He goes, take it home. Hmm. And we drove home. And I've had so many, so many uh, run-ins with the police like that where they're here at Fairfax last year, Halloween. Uh, we were at the at, uh, seeing a friend of ours, um, actually uh, Angelo Moore. We were seeing one of his band, Doctor Mad Five, in Halloween night, and 
won the Halloween costume that night, just as easy E. So I had the Afro wig on and the dark sunglasses with the Raider shirt, the LA bling. And uh, <laughs> I pull out, and the girls are all, make a right. And I'm like, nah, I'm going left. And they're going, go left. I'm like, nah, I'm going right. And the cop pulls us over. And it just happens to be a black cop. He looks at me, and they're, they're drunk. My girl's drunk. All her friends are drunk. And I'm like, all right. I go, happy Halloween, officer. How are you this evening? And he's like, good. You know, you ran a stop sign and made a legal left and a legal right. I'm like, yeah, I don't know where I'm at. They're drunk. I'm just trying to get them home. And he goes, uh, okay. I said, here's my license, registration, insurance. I go, yeah, I don't need the insurance. I'm fine. And he runs me. And he comes back and he goes, you're a big Raiders fan? I go, yeah, I'll be at the game tomorrow. Black hole. Section 118. He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he hands me back my stuff and, and, and walks away. And uh, that was last year. So it's, I was ready with my ID. I was driving a car registered to me, insured to me. Valid, everything valid. No wants, no warrants. You know, records clean. And the way, the, they can sense the comfortability about you, I think. It's how you, people can sense the yeah. tension. If you're tense behind the wheel of a car, it, the cop shows he can sit. He can, they can sit tense. You know, you can, you can sit. If someone's tense, if I was uncomfortable right now, you would know it. You know, you would sense that. And so I don't put out any form of. I don't. I'm not tense around the police. I'm not afraid of them. I grew up around the cops. I had an uncle who was a cop. I said around lawyers and judges, knowing the law. So that's maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe if more kids of color were able to communicate with police officers and judges and lawyers and, and know the law and know their rights and know that the cop can't judge them on the street instead of acting like they can because they have been, maybe that's part of the problem. You know, my personal experience hasn't been that, but then I don't have their personal experience. You know, I'm an affluent child. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Everything I have is inherited, you know, <laughs> really. You know, I I work hard, but I've been privileged throughout my whole life, so I don't have the same experience that a normal black man in America would have. I really don't, to be honest with you. My perspective is totally different. I thought you say a normal (laughs) black person, a black man in America, so there is... I'm the a, normalcy. I'm a black man from Northern California. From Hayward. Yeah, who grew up in the Hayward Hills, yeah. driving in the Mercedes, with a swimming pool and a pen mama machine at the pool table, going to the best schools and living in the best homes, and I don't have that experience. I don't know what it's like to be sitting there watching the cops beat down on a drug dealer or, 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 or you know... When or, you're 10 years old. Yeah, or, I, don't, yeah. I don't have that image in my head. You know, that plays a big part of it. I think if I, I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you if I, how I grew up that way. I have cousins that grew up that way and they're not doing so well. And I have cousins that grew up that way that we brought into our home that are doing quite well. And I have cousins that saw how we lived and they're doing quite well. You know, if I have a cousin that just yesterday experienced some racism, she owns a 12 million apartment building and uh, she was selling a piece of furniture. Um, I think it was a stove or something, she would say. And the guy came to pick up the stove, and he asked her if she was the manager. And she, her response was, is an owner an option? Because she's the owner. And the gentleman, obviously his wife, had nothing to say to her after that. There's a black woman, black gay woman, that owns a 12-year apartment building. You know, She grew up in the hood, but she saw something else with her life. And she got through... The, the poverty, she got through the gay, she got through the black woman, and now she's successful. You know, and so you can, you can do it, but it's a mindset. You know. Uh, so how do you exercise that mindset? Belief itself. You know, knowing, knowing yourself, knowing your surroundings, knowing the law. If you know the cops are brutal in that area, that's brutality. Prepare yourself. Don't do dumb shit around dumb cops. You know, the cops are pretty local and they're in their area. There's always that bad cop. They don't. They're not all over the place. They have an area that they patrol. Right. (laughs) That's them. You know that guy. I know that guy. You know. I know you're a dick. I had I had an officer in our neighborhood, Officer Sorensen. He used to pick up me all the time when I had the limousine service. So finally, finally, I saw him one day. He saw me one day. We pulled over. 
and he took off his helmet. He both left a cigarette for sitting back. I go, so what's the deal? Officer Soros said, he's like, I see you in the Corvette, I see you in the limousine, I see you in the, the IROC. You got to be up to something. I'm like, you know, I'm just out here trying to make a buck. I said, the car is legit, they're licensed, you, you see who, they, who they're registered to, they're not stolen, you see me all the time, you particularly want to pick on me. The last ticket you gave me was for a PUC violation, you couldn't see the numbers from 500 feet. And the cops would add it to court because it was, it was, it was asinine. He goes, you're in here all the time. What the sources have? He goes, we, the judge told me, that's our president, Judge Farrell, he told me to have a talk with you. That's why we're sitting here right now. I need to talk with you. The judge even says you're out of line. So what's up? And after that, I was never bothered by him again. After he talked to me and I talked to him, we never talked. It was always, oh, there he is in the IROC, pull over. Oh, there he is in the, in the bench, pull over. Oh, there he is in the limo, pull it over. It was like, I inherited this money. Someone died for me to have this, you know. And sure, I'm flaunting it, yeah, because I'm 20-something years old, but I'm not being a dick about it for real, you know. I'm not leaving town because, because of this, you know. I'm giving, because there's eight kids in the back of taking them to Chuck E. Cheese from South Hayward, you know. And because they didn't have any money for a birthday party, so a friend of mine said, hey, can you bring your limo down and take my little cousin to Chuck E. Cheese? And I did. And then he pulled me over, and I told him, don't, don't say nothing, don't get out of the car. The kids were scared. And I handled them. I said, nah, dude, these are little kids in the car. What are you doing? This can't happen. It, it, he, he, he got it. And ironically, a few years ago, I'm at a funeral from that same guy, and I'm sitting with the family, and these very menacing-looking Hispanic guys come up, tattooed, gold teeth, everything, and they're looking at me and uh, looking at why am I sitting with the deceased's mom and family, and it's a packed place. Who are you, bro? And I was like, toast. And they're like, toast. And he's like, he's looking at me, and eyeballing me for a second, and then one of the, one of Danny, it was Danny Montenegro, one of his brothers goes, the guy with the limo. And, he, and, got, and the faces of these four gentlemen, I'll call them, they remembered me protecting them from the police when they were eight years old. Now they're gangbangers. Right. Chuck E. Cheese! Hey, Chuck E. Cheese, what's up? And I was like, yeah. I go, you were in the back of my car? He goes, yeah, it was my eighth birthday. What the fuck? And we were like, oh. And they were ready to rip my head off two seconds before them. And so I goes, that's the guy that took you on your eighth birthday party. He came from the hills down to, to share this with you. The cops got involved. I was in a bad neighborhood with my limousine. He wanted to find out what I was doing down there. And I had a bunch of eight-year-old kids in the back of my car. I'm not let the cops fuck with me. I got kids in the car, dude. What, what's your problem? And then years later, I see those same gentlemen. They're in a bad way. You know, I'm assuming because the way they look, you know, that's not good, you know, but they still have respect for me. What is that human element <laughs> that steps off on the negative, right? From immediately. The, yeah. Immediately, what are you doing? Right. What's he doing? Right. He's not Mexican. He's not dressed like us. He's not talking like us. Why are you, why are you here? A human thing. But the second they found out who I was, everything, their whole facial expressions, they weren't missing anymore. I saw these little kids again. You could see it in their eyes that they wanted to be. They wanted to be human. Yeah. They, everybody wants to be That's human. It. Yes. <laughs> they want to be human. Everybody wants to be human. Why they're mechanized not to be is their surroundings. I, you, I know why the cops pulled me over because the neighborhood I was in was rough. You know, I'm in a, in a brand new stretch. What are you doing down here? Nobody comes down here in cars like that. What the fuck, dude? What do you? Who's in the, who's in the car? Like little kids. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I'm like little kids. I'm gonna protect the kids. And that person saw that. And I could see why he had the problem with the cops. He saw the cops attacking a bunch of kids. He didn't see the they, the kids didn't see the cop attacking a potential bad guy in a limousine in a bad neighborhood, possibly a drug dealer, possibly a pimp, possibly whatever. Doctor no good. That's what the cop was doing. The kids didn't see that. They saw a cop attacking someone who was trying to give them a good time. But then they saw me defending myself against the cop, which probably put the cop in a bad light because 
I pushed him off. Nah, dude, you, you're not getting in my car. He's a little kid. Lock the door. So roll the window up. <laughs> you're not getting in the car, bro. You're going to Chuck E. Cheese. Follow me. <laughs> you know? But that's that's as far as this is going. Standing up, knowing my rights. I'm not going to cower down. I'm not going to try to be badly to the officer, but I'm not going to do it. But in that instance, that ironically, 15, 20 years later, ended me in a situation to where that one act of not even kindness, it was an act of responsibility. You know, I'm responsible for my community as, as big as I want to make it. And if I don't act accordingly in my community, they're going to they're going to respond against me or with me because I reached out to those gentlemen. I can go to that area to this day, 25 years later, and no one's going to touch me. You know, I'm not from there. I don't speak like them or act like them or look like them. I did one act. <laughs> one act. And not even of kindness, like I said, of, of, of humanity, you know. You can't afford it. Mom, my cousin can't afford a birthday party. I'll be right there, bro. Chuck E. Cheese on me with a couple pizzas. <laughs> you know, it's eight years old. Why can't everybody do that? And I didn't do it for that. It just so happens that that's what happened. Have you ever experienced mentally a grind of racism where you're just like, fuck? Yeah, I, me and Eris' mom lived in a condo in San Ramon, and the guy above us, every day I'd get little notes on my, on my, on my newspaper, you know, nigger go home, white nigger lover. And I finally met this guy, and he was like, Nothing against obese people. This is not. This is not. <laughs> Freddy not, was a fat fuck. <laughs> he was a fat ugly fuck. <laughs> and I looked at him and, and I felt sorry for him. I was like, "You're just a lonely fat fuck." You know, and please, this is not against. I don't want to do right, this right. body shaming thing. This right. was, you know, this was a but time this, when this person had been hammering me on a daily basis for months. I'm paying the same amount of money as you're paying. You know, I got quite qualified, and I'm in, and I'm living here. I didn't just roll in off the street. We're here. We're living here. You know, and um, that's my my skateboard shop. I'm a business owner. I have a thriving skateboard business. I own a condo. I'm driving a car. We're doing things, and all of a sudden, this guy is just on me about this being black daily and daily and daily. And then when I finally saw who I was being victimized was, I wasn't victimized anymore. Actually, I felt sorry for him. And I was like, oh, I get it. But there, uh, because there's nothing to do with me being black. It's because I have what he wants. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you talk with him? No, I never spoke to him. No, that was it. That, they, they ignored it. Did he keep doing it? I don't even know. That's, about, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I don't after remember, I don't remember anything after that. After that, it was like, oh, wow, poor dude. I get it. Eris' mom and all her friends, they're all, you know, they're, they're young and, and hot and right by the pool. We did right by the pool. And I got my skateboard business. I have a little skateboard groms around me. That I, I was a skateboard shop owner. They'd knock on my door. Hey, Mr. Toast, should we get some stickers? I'd give stickers out. So you've seen all this action around my, about my unit, you know. And he was just a lonely guy. Never visitors, never anybody coming by. I don't know if his phone ever rang. I don't know if he had any friends. I never saw any visitors. But it wasn't, at that point, it wasn't about me being black. It was about me being me. You just don't like me because you don't like yourself. I, just, I don't know what to do about that. So I'm not going to do anything. Do you think that's fundamentally what racism is, is self-hatred? I think racism is this not knowing who you're hating. <laughs> you don't even know who you're hating. If you're going to hate me on pure appearance alone, then you know, you're not being human. I have to do something to you for you to hate me. Right. I've got to physically, mentally, or economically take something from you that you don't want to give up for you to hate me. That's a, hate's a strong word. Yeah. You know, I really have to like give me this bottle and punch you in the fucking face and kick you and rape your wife, and then you can hate me. But at, until then. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I can't, I can't give that any weight. I can't give that any power. So if you're going to hate me, that's on you. Because I have people that hated me and, and that don't hate me anymore. Because after they spend time with me, they realize that I don't hate them. Even though they hated me first, you're not going to change my narrative. And I think that's the problem. Because you, the cops hate you, you're going to hate them back? No. That's not going to work. It won't work. That's why right. I don't see the hope. It doesn't. That's not how it works. Right. That's not how it works for me. 
Everybody who's hated me, I've loved back or understood why they hated me and ignored them. Either loved them or ignored them. We have two choices. You can, yeah. you can accept them or you can ignore them. But you don't have to go, fuck you, racist fuck. Now we're, now we're doing this. Now it's like, fuck you, nigga, fuck you, monkey, fuck you, this, fuck you, that. Now we're just, now we're just spinning in undue energy. It's unfounded and it goes nowhere. I realize, okay, no one loves you. I get it. I feel sorry for you. And I just walked away. <laughs> and <laughs> took my paper every day and threw the little note aside. <laughs> I sat on my little balcony in the sun and watched my little hot little girlfriend. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you said earlier about environment, because that's, Key. there you are, a young adult, and you're very grounded, yeah. very smart. What about a six-year-old kid who's experiencing that? You know, like that's part of what I think is... I feel bad for youth in America that have to grow up in hate. Because how are they going to know what not hate is? You know, I'm not even talking about love, but just not to hate. Yeah. You know, peace, peace, yeah. (laughs) Why do you, why why is there hate? I guess a lot of people hate me. I don't hate you and as a child I didn't grow up in an environment of hate you know I grew up in an environment of work hard study hard you know respect yourself respect others respect your elders you know you know it was kind of strict speak what's spoken to yes sir yes ma'am it got to a point where I had even break that mold like this is crazy you know but then there's a lot of lessons learned you know I'm not going to ask you how your brother's doing when I can go call your brother directly I'll ask you about people that I can't get a hold of yeah, that's respect. You know? I want to know about Aaron. I'll call Aaron up. <laughs> right? Yes. People don't do that. I don't know. I don't know how. He's right there asking. <laughs> you know? Why are you asking me what this dude's doing? You know? yeah. Why are you asking me what his problem is? I think a lot of that's happening right now, even with the internet, social media. People are not asking the right questions to the right people. Yeah. You know, ask the right question to the right person. If you don't know, ask them. You know. The cops should assume they're all criminals. You should just check the ID and run it, and then go from there. You said you weren't going to disturb us. Where is it? Doesn't matter. You guys don't have your ending. Hello, hi. Yeah, I got you. Hey, how you doing? Yes, see you. Yeah. Sorry, you didn't know. Sorry, it's okay. No problem. You live here. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm just giving you grief. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that um? We continue. I don't know, like, because you you hit on the nail on the head. Is that racism, in essence, is only going to exist as long as I feed that fire. Right. And. Like I was picturing when you were talking about the game bangers at the funeral. Right. I, I picture myself sitting in your place. I think I'd be afraid. Sure. And I would emanate fear. Right. And um, what I was hearing you say is you didn't have that fear. I didn't have the fear. I was sitting with the deceased mother. I was surrounded by his family. Right. I, might I was there paying my respects to a friend of mine who died because he was too proud to ask for help. And she died walking to the hospital. Instead of calling me or calling somebody that, that would help him use that. And so I, was, I felt so bad for the family. Fear had nothing to do with it. I knew why I was present. Yeah. I knew why I was sitting next to his mother. You know, I knew why I, when I walked in, people were like, in a packed looking house, which is what started it. I walked into a packed house, their standing room only, and someone saw me and they waved me to the front. And so here I am, kind of unconscious as it is, coming through all by myself, wandering through and sitting next to Danny's mom. And she was like, God. I felt like my condolences because he left my finger up, so sorry, you know. And his brothers were there, and I'm like, yeah, it's not wrong. It was all good, and everything calmed down. So afterwards, we were able to look at like, who's that guy? I don't know that guy. But you did know me. You know me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, 
people have to realize that no one's there for no reason. Everybody has a reason of being somewhere. Yeah. That guy, Danny Peckle, sorry for him and his family, he was there for a reason. Cop needed to figure out why he was there before you pull the trigger. You know? The guy, Danny, I don't know what he did to provoke it. Hopefully nothing. You know, I don't know. Well, hopefully something. I don't know. What, how do you respond to that? Right. Because no one deserves to die sleeping in their car because they have nowhere else to go. Especially when they did the right thing, they were drunk. And they, and pulled, they pulled over. over. Right, they pulled over. Yeah. Trying to do the right thing, trying to right. save lives, right. you know, on the highway and did that. That I don't understand that. You know, I don't I don't understand a lot of things that are happening, you know. Why the one lady got shot up at a fake raid or uh, a search warrant in the wrong address and she right. gets you know, wide reality. Why are these people dead? I don't know. I don't, I have no answers for that. And then what people want to say it's racist or this and that, but I don't know who they were looking for. I don't know why the guy had a gun. I don't know why people carry guns. You know, right. <laughs> you know I have guns, but I take them to the gun range. You know, you're not going to see my gun. You know, unless you pull yours. You know, but that, that's never happened. Luckily, so I don't have to deal with that. You know, I think everybody should know how to work and operate a gun. But is that the problem, or is it the operator? It's, you know, you know, people don't have to pull. Be quick to pull the trigger. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was just remembering I was working at a summer camp a couple of years ago and kids leave their clothes and stuff and at the end of the camp um, there's all these clothes. All these clothes. So I went to Marin City because there's a woman there who has a um, thing to help the community out there. And I remember like I couldn't find where she lived. And there were four gentlemen sitting in the park in these chairs, and at the wall, go ask them. Mm-hmm. But it was—I was afraid, mm-hmm. and you know, and I just. Why were you afraid? Because the stories I've heard of Marin City, and I'm white, Story. and they're black. And there and, you go—a story you've heard, right? Not experiences that right, you've had, right? Exactly. Stories you've heard. Well, that's why I went and spoke with them because I'm like, I'm not going to let my fear in these stories be the scenario that plays out. Mm-hmm. And they were very kind, and, sure. but there's that element of me stepping out of my being willing to be uncomfortable and do it anyways. Right. Where does that uncomfortability come from? Because that's that seems to be the the, the hinge point. Cops are uncomfortable with right. the, the criminals. Criminals, the, the, the non-criminals are uncomfortable with the cops because they see how they treat the criminals. People outside the community are uncomfortable with this community because they see what happens within the community. You know, it's right, maybe two or three or four or five people in that 5,000 or 8,000 or 10,000 person community because there's 10 bad people. Everyone looks at that whole community as bad. And they feel uncomfortable. And even those 10 people aren't pure bad. You know, there's Some of them are pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've met I've met some of them. They're pretty bad. I've met some bad people. And I have to say that. And I understand why there's fear even within the community. I've met some bad people in my life. And I've gotten through that by not being afraid of them. You know, and I got through that by not being t- intimidated by them. And by showing them that, you know, whatever's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to walk into your dojo and you're going to pull a gun on me because you know who I am. And we're going to, we're going to figure it out right now or I'm going to die right now. And that's what I said to them. And they were like, all right, who are you? <laughs> because I think fear is part of the element that makes everybody uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm fearless. And I... Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. <laughs> You say I'm highly intelligent, highly educated, and, and, have, and I was raised well, but for some reason I'm stupid enough not to fear it. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I am fearless. And I, I don't is know. Is that something you can teach Jordan? He's pretty fearless. Yeah? Yeah, he's fearless. Yeah, he was a little kid. He'd fall and go get up. His mother would try to call him. I'm like, no, it's my son. Don't touch him. Get the fuck. Get up. But she said, are you bleeding? No, you're good to go. Let's go. So you think that's part of it? Part of it is letting people fail. You know, letting allowing people to fail and it's and expressing to them that failure is only a failure when you stop trying. Success is the, the attempt. That's it. Everybody's successful as long as they keep trying. You can't stop. As soon as you stop, you now you're the failure. 
as soon as I give in to fear, I'm a failure. As soon as I stop trying to educate myself or try to be smaller, smarter, or faster, or wiser, you know, and people have chained on it to richer, but I think you need to go at that point. But just being better, you know, every day I want to learn to be a better person. I want to try to be a better person. And that's, that's how I live my life. That's, for me, that's living. You know, I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be not here. You know, I don't want to be not sharing. I don't want to be not giving. I don't want to be not learning. I'm not growing. Then I just put a bullet in my head and just end it right there. Then what am I doing here? You know, just a cog in a wheel. I don't want to be that that meme where people are just step, step, step doing it. Have you ever had a period in your life where you thought, oh, this is, I should be dead because this is failing? You know, like. Yeah, drug addiction. That was was a a key hinge point where I was like, this is repetitive. I mean, now I'm on that hamster wheel. Even though it's a different hamster wheel, it's the same hamster wheel. Uh, Addiction is the same thing as giving in to something, giving in to something. So that's what that's why I was able to successfully get out of that life. You know, people are like, how did you do it? DNA or Jesus or this and that? And I'm like, ah, I said, done. <laughs> you guys are idiots. <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah. I'll see you on the other side. And I walked away and I took Sonia with me, you know, and, and then everyone went back. And it was a conscious choice of making a change and knowing that I can do that. I put myself here. I could get myself out of it. You know, I can imagine being having to be put there and no and having no way out and hopelessness. That is that I think is part of a problem that we're having with race today. Is a lot of these people feel hopeless. They just feel that nobody sees them. Or, 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 right. They're feared. Why are you fearing me? I'm just a little kid. Right. Because I live at this address on this corner and I'm standing here. I'm not the bad guy. He, there's bad guys over there. Like I thought, Jordan, that's the bad guy. He doesn't even live here anymore. He, he just comes in and gets his money and leaves. You know, the bad guys don't even live in the hood now. You know, they're out. You know, they take the money and run. Leaving the victims are the people that are there behind, you know. We can't fear them because we don't know them. I don't fear them. You know, they've despaired me. They've, they've talked about me and they've attacked me, you know, and I'm one of them. And I don't, I don't fear them or hate them. I just try to explain to them, you can do this too. You know, even though I had every advantage in life. I have one, one young lady, I was at DMV and I was talking to someone like we're talking right now and they couldn't have been more than 18 or 19 years old with a baby carriage. She was, I want my baby to talk just like you when he gets big. I looked over at her and I was like, well, you know what? Keep your kid in school, love him, and never let anybody come between you and your child. And that's how I left it. And your kid will end up just like me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't let anybody come between you. Our mothers loved us. Maybe that's part of it. You know? They still do. Yeah. You know, we've had that love. Our friends love us, and they still do. We, we have, we've had love and experiences throughout all the mistakes and trials and tribulations that we've gone through and people still love us unconditionally because of who we are and, <laughs> and that's key you know that's key we need to love these people we want them to change it's not about economic equalization right? love them go see how they're doing you know I want to stop at Zoe by Green City and just stop and chat with those going around and stop and chat with the first person you see how you, how you doing today I'm just, I was just in the neighborhood, never been here before. What's good? What's, what's, what's good? You know? right. How are you doing? <laughs> How's life? Right. Talk to those people. Find what they're doing. That's who you should be talking to. You know, I'm not the example of a black man in America. Sorry, I'm not. Sorry, people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> because my idea is totally skewed. My what idea. I like, I was thinking about this episode happening and I was trying to think of a race where race came up in our relationship even as a conversation the only thing I can remember is when you came back from Arizona and you said Arizona's fucking racist yeah it was and, yeah. but I got out of there right and you didn't talk about anything yeah, that was it that was it you were like yeah what saved me there is I went came to California came back with a hundred hits of acid and I was no longer racist anymore <laughs> right that's what I'm saying what is racism it's because I don't have something that you want or need you don't know who I am or what I can do for you as soon as you find something that I can do for you without you don't see who, what color I am these, these racist people in Arizona, as soon as I, so I said, well, what do you guys, what, what's your problem with me? 
Oh, you just take all that to the black people and shit. Oh, what's up? Well, let me show you something. Here. Oh, shit. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Berkeley? <laughs> what? Get to get more? Sure. Oh, wait, give me some money. <laughs> and it was cool. You know, and it was like, you know, um, yeah. People are racist until they find out to you show them that you can do something for them. And this is sad because it shouldn't have to do that. Right. It should, that should, it should have been, what am I, why are you hating me because I'm black or different? You know, I had a nice car I'm in Arizona. I was living in a poor neighborhood in Arizona, same with the family. You know, to experience my first day in Arizona. Um, I was at a hospital. One cousin shot another cousin, both black, because one lived here and one lived there. It was it was the typical black on black crime because they lived on each end of South Phoenix. One was in one gang, one was in the other. They didn't realize they were even cousins until I showed up. And I brought the one cousin that was in the gang that shot the other cousin. And I but I said, you know, you guys are cousins. What did that change anything? It sure did. It did. It sure did. Yeah, it changed a lot. They didn't, didn't know. And I saw a bunch of their mothers. I'm like, why aren't you talking to your children about what's happening here? What? Nah, nah, nah. You're, oh, you're worried about that dude. Your boyfriend. Is, you like this guy who's in this game. You like a guy who's in that game. You guys are sisters. What the fuck? You know, that's what it's come to. Your children are going to get shot up in the street because you like this guy and you like that guy. So now you guys aren't talking. And now your kids are getting shot up because your guys are sisters. This is ridiculous. So I went to the boyfriends. <laughs> and I'm going, what the fuck? You know, these are my aunts. These are my second cousins. This is not happening. This is not cool. You need to shut this shit down right now. Oh, you shut the bed down right now. Well, you California niggas coming to Pinterest. Nah, brother, it's not like that at all. This is my family you're fucking with now. You don't know me. And it's so funny because in that community, you don't know me, it means a lot. You don't know me and what I'm about. They had to back up. You know, I wasn't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing up to a fucking gangster. You know, I don't know. I don't know him. You know, so you don't know me, and I don't know you. This is, this is my little cousin. Got shot up by one of your boys. This is not cool. So I'm trying to go to school here to get education, man. I've been trying to be battling coming in and out of town. I'm staying right here. That's my uncle Lee. Get that's my uncle Nancy. That's my, that's my uncle. That's my auntie. This that's our nephew. People. Oh my God! Oh, you family? I said, yeah, I'm family. Now you know me. Stop. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, we're all right. We're good, we're good. So, no, no, we're not, but okay. And there was, it was, that's why I said it was racist. It was racist for blacks against me, whites against me. Everybody was against me. I was from California. I was, if it was more racist, it was, it was because I wasn't from there. So I had to bottle my way in and bottle my way out. I just got fed up with it. I was like, I'm out. This is stupid. I'm just trying to get an education and go to school, and you guys want to play games about where you live, or where you're from, what you got, what you what I got, what I got, because I had a job since I was three. You know, I worked for my car. No one gave me this car. I worked for this thing. You know, you know, <laughs> and I worked on it every weekend. I put rims on it, exhaust system on it, lowered it. And while I'm in college, I'm working on my car and. They're watching me do all this, and I'm paying rent, and I'm working at a gas station all night long, and going to school in the daytime, and they, they saw me hustling, and that's probably what changed me. I didn't sit there and go and talk and not do nothing. I went there and had a job within three days. You know, I didn't like that job. I had another job. You know, I wanted something. I bought it. You know, I went to school. I worked, and I supported my family, and that's what happened. And so when I came back to California, it was like. That was that was rough. <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't want to live like that. I don't know how people do live that. I, I feel I feel bad for people who have to live in that mentality. They don't know that because a stranger comes into your community doesn't make them a bad person. And what you're doing, I'm not judging you. I'm just thinking that you can do better. It's not a judgment. It's a fact. Yeah, yeah you can do better yeah. than this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm doing it. I'm showing you. I'm, I'm going. I'm uh, going to school, Leroy. You know. <laughs> Watch my shit. Oh, I am got you, bro. <laughs> you know, I come back and they did my shit with me there. You know, they can do better. And and they say lead by example. Well, now we have a black female vice president. That's going to help. We had a black president. I hope that helped a lot of uh, minority kids and their hopes and dreams. 
I think the community should be more supportive of their youth versus it's been as much energy as they are against the police as they were for each other it would be a lot better use of resources myself you know I think the community is key and there are a lot of black people out there doing a lot of good for the community they're actually putting up websites and putting up hot spots for kids to get internet you know make sure they have food and, and uh, make sure they have education and experiences that, that, that they weren't getting before generations before weren't getting so it's, it's happening um, white America needs to understand that we're not out for equality we're just out for respect you know I don't want to be equal to you I already am I'm human Disrespect my black ass. <laughs> That's it. You know, people speak it on equal terms. They're like, I was born equal. You know, the second I hit this, came out of my mama's womb, we were all the same. You know, that's it. Respect that. You know, and that's it. I was taught a thief's a thief, a liar, a liar, and this is a, this is a, that. This is this is a, and accept that and respect that. If that's what you want to be, all right, I got you. I will treat you accordingly, but respect me for what I'm trying about to be or trying to be. You know, and hopefully what I'm trying to be will help you be something that you want to be except for something that you think you have to be. You know, respect is from internal. You have to respect the self. And Miss Annie, my mom, <laughs> respecting the self is the key fundamental um, ideology that has been lost in today's society. It's the self-respect, the self-worth. A lot of people don't respect themselves. So if you can't respect yourself, there's no way in hell you're going to even come close to finding a way to respect me and what I'm doing. You're not going to respect me. And I don't expect you to. So. <laughs>